0: Hey, I just finished reading First Enoch, and I really want to talk about it. So do you want to have that conversation? Dude, why are you always coming with this weird stuff? It's not
1: in the Bible for a reason. Just get out of here.
0: Welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yorduk. So we're continuing on with the parables. We are. We are. Uh, I feel like Enoch has become Dragon Ball Z for us. Mm -hmm. It's just going on and on and on. Yeah, I feel
1: like there needs to be some enterprising fan of ours that will go and do like what people on YouTube do, where they just do what everyone wants is cut out all the boring stuff and just (laughs) do a supercut of all the fight scenes.
0: Yeah. so like i don't know what that is in enoch but just like i think it would reduce our like five to six hours in enoch to two minutes <laughs> it was probably just gonna be like hey you hear about the watchers yeah <laughs> also stars yeah <laughs> <laughs> it would be the introduction <laughs> hey murdoch you want to hear talk about the book of enoch get out of here all right that would be it that's that's the big thing uh no i've actually <laughs> sorry <laughs> i
1: saw a meme it was a. Uh, lord of the rings mm-hmm. you know at the beginning when the ring is there and they're just like trying to destroy it, and gimli pulls out his axe and he smashes it yeah and the, the thing on the meme is like if that actually broke the ring <laughs> so it just got oh, yeah, yeah. and has him smash the thing and it just cuts to the ending credits or goes directed by peter jackson <laughs> yeah like that was it movie's done i might have referred to that on a different episode for some reason that meme is just stuck in my brain that's yeah, a good one living rent free
0: it is a good i'm just one. trying to re- <laughs> relate it to everything i possibly can. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, but yeah, I've actually, um, going through Enoch has been a fun experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I think mainly because there's just been this transition in my life with Enoch. Uh, there was the, that's heresy <laughs> that I'm sure that most people face when they are presented. Heresy with this button. button. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't belong in the Bible. I've seen a few YouTubers uh, question Enoch in that way. And uh, now that I've gone through it, I'm like, Most of their questioning isn't valid anyways. Um, Not to name names, but then it was like this intrigue, right? So I'm intrigued by Enoch. What does it have to offer? Just listening to like Michael Heiser and the giant story and everything like that. And then it became like this, oh, this is a really good book to actually have. Mm -hmm. Like this book kind of in a sense does uh, give insight into the new testament as well as the old testament is oh, yeah. it is
1: this good middle ground especially when you're getting all that son
0: of man stuff and right yeah yeah where that places in with jesus and then when you hear jesus in the new testament you're like oh he could have been referring to to mm-hmm. this portion of enoch like there there's parallels in between it that's yeah,
1: interesting when you talk the journey because
0: definitely when i first came across
1: it in a serious way Because I remember back when I was just like, let me read all of the Mm -hmm. scriptures from every whatever. And I came across a bunch of Enoch stuff and like all the other gospels and different things. I remember kind of reading through them at that point. And then when I got more serious, like, oh, Enoch is something that I should consider. I remember reading through it, but I really didn't have any tools to go through it Mm -hmm. with. So I did the thing with Enoch that we all do when we read the Old Testament and something gets said and we don't have anywhere to put it. Mm. So the words just go across our eyeballs until mm-hmm. we can find something that actually makes sense. Yeah. So that's why I keep saying in this series, I'm just like, I don't have a framework for what all of these astrological signs are supposed. Like you know, I'm paying more attention. Yeah, to what I'm yeah, getting yeah. into. I'm getting more in depth. But I know when I read it before, I was like, oh, what's the stuff that immediately makes sense? Mm-hmm. And then because I had read it, when I got into Heiser, I got into different people that were like. Here's how these things come into play about where demons come from or where this or the watchers and stuff is like, "Oh yeah, I've read that." So I had that relation to it. But now going through it, it's like, "No, what are these words that are here?" Yeah. It's a journey.
0: It really is because my first real introduction into Enoch was the Noah movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> they did bring in some of the concepts they did
1: in a very creative way
0: right so i was like that's blasphemy you know that was like it's based off of you know so i actually didn't even read enoch i just was like noah no way i'm not touching that uh and then i, I think what I a good just, representative <laughs> that movie
1: was for christendom
0: <laughs> yeah and i didn't even watch it back then when it first came out like i just recently within the last year watched that noah movie because we were doing more Enoch. Well? and i was like
2: that's ah, it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> it's Russell Crowe, right? Yeah, Russell Crowe plays a crazy Noah. That dude is nuts. Where he's like all population of man. We're, we're the last family. We're just going to yeah. die out. Was-
1: no, I was thinking of another, um, I think it was an Exodus movie. Weren't they just like, oh, the dude hit his head and he was hallucinating? God was like a little kid
0: that was telling him to do stuff. Is that the Christian Bale one? I think so. The gods and something like that, Exodus story? Yeah. I put that one on and I fell asleep, so I didn't make it to that part
1: um to bring this intro to a <laughs> oh, yeah, wrap up. that's what we're doing <laughs> yeah that's, well eventually we're just talking about talking about Enoch. <laughs> yeah is um just to go back to the lord of the rings and you, you brought the, of the dragon ball but lord of the rings i just always think of delilah and she's are like that is such a boring movie they're just walking forever mm-hmm. i brought it before like she heard me watching and she's like it sounds boring yeah i just feel like this is a very long walk through enoch which is. is the thing? Is people love to watch Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It is a good movie, even with all the walking. The journey is what it is. Yeah. So as we're going through this, like, yes, it's long, but journeying through it, I'm enjoying it.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I've I've learned a lot more. So let's uh jump into where we left off. Uh, we have chapter sixty three of the parables. Uh, faith seems to be an important part of salvation in this chapter, so that's just kind of where uh, Enoch is jumping in at. Uh, verse ten, I really like, so I'm gonna read some of that. Hopefully, uh understandably.
1: I was really going to try and get you to go back to 62 and see. If you could. I could have swore we talked talk about this. <laughs> no, I'm going to... That's like the Dragon Ball episodes were like previously on, and then they're like, wait,
0: you took me back five minutes. Yep. Yeah, no, not doing it. Not going to happen. Uh, let me start at... Verse 10? Verse 10. Yeah, start with the furthermore. Now they'll say to themselves, our souls are full of unrighteous gain, but it does not prevent us from descending from the midst thereof into the burden of Sheol. Uh, so what I read from this in, in Michael Heiser, so uh, a lot of what we've pulled or what I've pulled from has been Michael Heiser's commentaries on them. He's had two of them on the Book of Watchers and the parables. Unfortunately, because of his passing, uh, we won't get the rest of them. But uh, in this one, he, he says, this theology echoes Matthew 6.26 uh, for what will... profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. Uh, So basically the idea is like what what one gains in this life, especially if it's not gotten in the right way, if we didn't get it by the right means and it was from corruption, uh, has no basis for determining one's eternal life or their destiny. So I really like that concept. Again, just going back and forth from like what we talked about earlier, what Jesus said compared to like what's written in Enoch. Like there's echoings through it. Uh, Verse 11, the sword reference takes us back to Genesis 3. 24 and uh, a flaming sword that's going back and forth guarding the tree of life the point here is that those under judgment will be granted no access to god's presence so maybe reading verse 11 will give some insight into that too Uh, let me continue and after that their faces will be filled with darkness and shame before the son of man and they will be driven from his presence and the sword will abide before his face in their midst so again understanding that that like there's this sword that enoch's the author of the parable of Enoch here is, you know, saying that in front of Jesus's face goes back to the idea of the sword going to the Garden of Eden, that there's no entrance back there into God's presence.
1: Right. I know I've brought it up several times, but just in these parables, it keeps talking about the righteous, and it's all about the righteous. Mm-hmm. And then it's looking at the wicked, and just this thing of judgment. And I think that we've ended several episodes. Just, I can't help it, but that realization, just like, oh man, the picture that it paints, right? Mm-hmm. When it talks about... Um, kind of the second part of verse 8 of 63. So just before what you're reading, it says, For our Lord is faithful in all his works, his judgment and his righteousness, Mm -hmm. and his judgments have no respect of persons. So we will vanquish away from before his face on account of our deeds and all our sins consumed by righteousness. Furthermore, at that time, you shall say, our souls are satiated with exploitation of money, which could not save us from being cast into the oppressive Sheol, which is the part that you're reading. My translation is a little bit different. But just that thing of God isn't a respecter of persons. So when you look at these people with the exploitation of money and the greed mm-hmm. and everything that they had in their life and saying, all that money that you got could not save you. yeah. And just that picture of just like the reality of the judgment and God is a just God. towards says that they were consumed by his righteousness, right? Taurus so it's like, he doesn't take pleasure in uh, the death of the wicked, right? We know mm-hmm. that about God. But just when you have wickedness coming in his presence, he's good and he's going to judge rightly. And it's not like earthly judges, right? Nah, let me just line your pockets a little bit, like let's have that going on. And obviously, right. so much exploitation on Earth happens because of that. <laughs> you know, people with money make things happen. Yeah, and you just get to this and just that. It's, it's several times throughout Scripture that God is not a respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. was like, look, oh, you think you're big stuff here, right? Mm-hmm. No, not before God. You're His creation. And he's going to do what's right.
0: And what I, what I like about that is, too, I think for a lot of us sitting back watching, even in our own world today, where you're like people in politics or in Hollywood getting away with stuff that normal people wouldn't have mm-hmm. because they have the money to hide a laptop or what have you. <laughs> Not naming any you're names. completely making up something. There. Yeah, just completely just, making it up. Since you're Hollywood. Just yeah, Hollywood stories. Just Hollywood stories. Or get away with murder and you know, even though most evidence points to it and somehow the glove didn't fit. All of that,
1: (laughs) all the cameras were turned off and the guards were asleep. Yeah,
0: no, there's so many examples that we've seen and it was just unfair, unfair, unfair. And and the voice of people do cry out for unfairness, Mm -hmm. right? And where God's judgment, like you said, what I really liked about it, it, like you gain so much in this world, you chase after it. At the end of the day, it profits you nothing because your judgment isn't based on those things it's based on what you did right and if it's full of corruption then the the imaging that picture of just the flaming sword or, or just that the sword in front of his face you're you're not in his presence and it's not because he's unjust or unloving or there's no mercy it's because he's just yep. loving and there's mercy that he has to you know you made your choice right. so again it's the vindication
1: yeah. of the righteous is happening at this judgment um yeah, you can you can take the concept and flip it and reverse it, right? Because on earth, we tend to be the respecter of persons, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's your status? And we judge people by that. So on earth, you look at a lowly person, like, oh, we don't respect you, right? Mm-hmm. But in God's eyes, how you were saying, well, what did this person actually do? Oh, such a loving, kind, ju- mm-hmm. like just and righteous person who showed mercy, who spoke with truth, who looked after people, who's a good, like, right? Mm-hmm. That person gets elevated. Yeah. So it's just... The respecter of persons and goes both ways. So it was like, hey, you don't need that status here on earth in order to be, to come into God's presence, like you were saying. Right.
0: I mean, we live in California. And during the pandemic, like, we were in strict lockdown. Like, strict. It, It was, we couldn't do much. We couldn't go to church. And then you have people in politics who are going out to restaurants or getting their hair did. And Oh, the cameras are on? Let me, yeah. let me pull up my mask real quick. Yeah. And the outcry of people saying, wait, this isn't fair. You know, like that that's this image here that what's happening is that the fairness eventually comes around. And I think, again, just learning from Enoch, but also kind of uh, some of the other stuff I've been into lately. Uh, the outcry for oppression always is met with uh, God's justice. And that's what people long for. Even when we went through Revelation for the rest of us with... Uh, scott mcknight you know that's what his book was talking about it was it was an image of people seeing that rome will be taken down that there will be justice for them eventually um but i could get i don't want to get lost in just chapter 63 so. right i know
1: you want to go down 65 <laughs> yeah. so i'm just gonna summarize the thing from 63 and then we can jump over but in looking at that whole thing right what's going on um verse 2 then they shall bless and glorify the lord of spirit saying blessed is the lord of spirits the lord of kings the lord of rulers and the master of Of the rich, the Lord of glory and the Lord of wisdom. Your power exposes every secret thing from generation to generation, and your glory is forever and ever. Deeper all your mysteries, numberless, and your righteousness is beyond counting. Right? So just like, blessed be Him. He's going to expose everything Mm that's secret, and His righteousness goes beyond anything. So nothing gets past God. And the only thing that's going to get past us is chapter 64. So yes, get to 65.
0: The only thing that's getting skipped <laughs> 64. Uh, so 64 six, is 64. 64 is one line. Go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> Have fun with it. Uh, 65 uh, is Noah in the first person. So now Noah's kind of narrating through this. Uh, there's a, a wording in there that it had sunk down. Uh, talking about humanity, and this is really the fall in into a decline. Uh, morality has fallen into a, a steep decline is what is being painted here. And again, we see this in Genesis chapter 6, uh, those brief... Versus, it's, again, that morality has dropped.
1: So here's a good expansion to right. Genesis 6, right? Yeah. The little subtitle that I have here is Enoch's Predictions Concerning the Deluge, so the Flood and mm-hmm. himself, right? Yeah. So here's some predictions yeah, in about Yeah, this gets that.
0: into the Flood and all that stuff. So uh, verse 6, it talks about the secret of the angels and the violence of Satan. Uh, here Satan's is parallel uh, to angels. Uh, the phrase, the secrets of the angels and all the violence of Satan's. So it's it's using Satan's with an S, not like... All the adversaries. Yeah. right
1: Again, that Satan mm-hmm. is an actual word, Satan. Yeah,
0: yeah. opposer, adversary, uh, anyone who's against God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, which does make it interesting when you do think of then when uh, uh, Jesus rebukes Peter and he says, Satan, get behind me. Yeah, it was a really interesting study about big S, little s, right and when when he's like most people like i grew up being taught like oh he's literally calling him satan he's the devil uh but if you're looking at what the word breaks down to if he's calling him an opposer or an adversary of god's will like yes when he's saying lord surely you won't die he's opposing what god's will is at that moment so he is in a sense a satan um and throwing that one in for free yeah that's just for free we could all be satans like at any moment in our in our lives when we are opposing God's will, we, in a sense, are kind of being Satan's. I think that
1: it's that thing just, I think we've talked about this before, but like in
0: Revelation, you get that
1: there is the spirit of Antichrist. There are many Antichrists, mm-hmm. but then there is the figure, the Antichrist, right? So it's the same thing with this of just like, yes, there are those who oppose, who are the adversaries, at least Satans, mm-hmm. but then there also is the Satan yeah. who is like the enemy from the garden. Go back and listen to the whole, what was it during the, during the enemies? I, we had the dragon
0: I think that was more of the first, or second and third John. Were we in there? Yeah, when we covered the Forgotten Books, when we covered them, because that had Antichrist in it, and then we talked well, about it.
1: Well, that was Antichrist. I was, yeah, I yeah. was relating the Satan into Oh, yeah. Whatever.
0: Okay. Listen to both of them while you're at it. Just go binge. So There's like 100 and something episodes doing? at this point. That's it's like three years of podcasting. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, verse 12, uh, it says the righteous seed. So that goes to Genesis nine nine. Noah's descendants represent the continuation of God's covenant goals with them. Uh, Michael Heiser says kingship, the term and the idea are surprising here. However, scholars have noted how the promise given to the patriarch Abraham, uh, from whom would come Judah and thus kingship, Genesis 4, 49, 10, resembled the Hebrew of the promises given to Noah. So uh, that, and then he continues that Noah will be the patriarch king is at first puzzling, uh, the motif however is drawn from genesis 17 6 through 7 word echo where in an echo of the noah story god promises Abraham, now abraham i will make you exceedingly fruitful and i will make a nation of you and kings will come forth from you so uh it seems weird that there's this term kingship given to noah and the righteous seed but really what Heiser is saying is you know it, it all stems through abraham the covenant was made mm-hmm. with abraham and we see that through Judah comes a king. So it's not weird. It sounds weird, but it's not. Uh, chapter 66. Real quick, just you're talking about, oh, all of this. That's where they you use. You didn't use
1: debauchery. All this debauchery is coming down during this time. Um, corruption. Corruption, corruption and debauchery. Um, but yeah, that's in 65, I was talking about, and those who taught them these secret things will have no haven forever because they have revealed to them the things which are secret to the condemned ones. Right? So it's just like, then looking at this thing, why was Genesis 6 so bad? In Genesis 6, we just have, everyone went evil, and God just wished that it had never gone that way, so he, he brought in the flood. But in Enoch, you really get this, no, the angels that came down revealed to them these things, mm-hmm. which I just need to put it in there. 64, the one that we skipped, is basically just saying, here's the angels that descended upon the earth and revealed what was hidden to the children of people and led them astray.
0: Yeah. And that's where it starts the journey of, yeah. like, everything that we're covering now. Yeah. Uh, Genesis, or chapter 66, verse 1. You I mean, saw 6 yeah. here. Genesis 6. Like, no. Genesis 6. Uh, verse 1 draws from Genesis seven eleven. all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. So if you go read Genesis uh, 7-11, you'll see that that's the same idea. Uh, now I'm skipping into chapter 67. Yep. Uh, verse 2, messengers. That This is what I found cool, was that the messengers uh, were making a wooden vessel. Uh so unlike uh, Genesis six fourteen, this verse has angels building the Ark with Noah. Uh and this kind of actually does go to that Noah movie. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah, this is where like they came and they were helping him build it. The, Those weird rock monsters are <laughs> Yeah.
1: The angel interactions, again, mm-hmm. when we were looking at a lot of the heavenly things that were going on. And there's like, oh, or there was an angel over the winds and there was an mm-hmm. angel over the, and just like the angelic world that actually super interacts with our physical world. So that was the end of 66 is that there was angels in charge of the waters, right? And they were in mm-hmm. charge of keeping that thing. So when you have that, it's kind of like, okay, well, these angels coming in and helping like there's just angels everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I really believe it's, it's something that we miss, uh, because we don't have that section or we don't even have this in our forefront in mind um, because you're only getting this from Enoch here. You're getting that picture kind of uh, pulled apart more and and getting it into. And, and I thought that was interesting that, yeah, it has it there. Uh, actually from Genesis six, nine, a lot of this chapter uh, contains very uh, a lot of the flood narrative um, except for uh, the violence of the flood itself. Um, but it's, it's in there a lot of this. Uh, Since 1 Enoch 67 is God's promise to Noah, the emphasis is on protection and salvation. Um, Matthew Black observes that this is the only place in Second Temple Jewish literature that angels build the ark. Stephen DeYoung on 67 says this. He said, God uses the water, however, to do good. The release of the destructive forces of the powers of the water punishes the spirits upon the earth, but heals the body of the earth. Uh, This purification of the earth from the evil produced by the rebellious spirits in the days of Noah then is a testimony to a future greater fulfillment. The day will come when the waters themselves will be purified and healed through the destruction of the powers over them. This purification of the waters from the powers of water is fulfilled at baptism of Christ. This allows the waters of chaos and death to become waters of purification, refreshment, and rebirth in baptism. So this gets into even something deeper that uh, Father Stephen de Young pulls from, he he's connecting it that like, you know, the waters are purifying instead of chaos like they're normally seeing. And then when Jesus is baptized, now we're all baptized in the water and water is being used to purify, refresh instead of chaos and destruction.
1: Is it Peter that relates baptism in the flood? Am I making that up? Yes, uh First Peter three twenty one. This water symbolizes the baptism, and it now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience. Um, just before that, I was talking about in the ark, a few people, only eight souls, were saved through water. Yeah. So before he, that, I was talking about yeah. Oh, no,
0: so ark. he compares the same thing that is the this baptism purification, uh, which I think when you're looking at the idea that the flood came and it was a destructive tool, because the Watcher story isn't in our narrative of the Bible. Uh, all you're looking at is humanity being wiped out. And so then it does pop in the question that most people struggle with is why would God destroy all uh, all the people? But here it's more the idea is being painted of like this. It was the rebellious spirits.
1: It was. Yes, it was the rebellious spirits. It was the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. And it was the people who joined in with mm-hmm. it. It was the people. But you get in there just like they were all wicked to an extent that we it doesn't even make sense to us. Yeah. That's. um. I did find debauchery in this one. Uh, Verse 10. So the judgment shall come upon them because they believe in the debauchery of their bodies and deny the spirit of the Lord. Basically, they just went full blown into every lust and desire of their body and everything that, you know, Mm -hmm. what's good for me to the utmost extent. I am doing it and just denying their connection with the Lord of Spirits.
0: Yeah, verse 8 has they were filled with lust. Like the spirits were filled with it. So the idea is like sin and unrighteousness. Like this is... Lust is is bottomless, dude. Yeah, Yeah. because it's not... I think we get caught up with the idea that lust equates to uh, sexuality. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's really not. Like we could just... Like lust is almost in a sense a... Uh, what we desire. Yeah, it's just a ravenous desire that wants to be filled, like whatever will fill that thing. Yeah, so we could fill it with stealing, we could fill it with food, we could fill it with laziness, we could fill it with like drugs, just feeling alcohol. like I was lusting after, fill in the blank. Yeah, I desired uh, after. Yeah. And then, and, and then not only uh, what it does is that it, it also allows us to chase after things in ways that we shouldn't. Like now we're stealing and killing because of what we desire for. So it, it's crazy. 68, uh, verse 1, uh, teaching, this idea of teaching, some co- there's some connection with verse 1 to the Urim and the Thumen. Thummim, Thummim? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those things, uh, the, the, revealing God's will. Those were the stones that
1: mm-hmm. uh, they had in the Old Testament that they would go to God and they would glow. That's how they could determine God's will.
0: And this was after uh, Moses, right? This is joshua or was it during moses's time too because i believe moses would like god what do you want us to do he would go into the temple and talk to him but you well, would going to the tender meeting yeah no temple during that time right exactly yeah and then with joshua there wasn't the same thing where he was allowed in it would be like hey these things what should we do and god's will was explained through them um which is a common thing I, i've i've heard somewhere where like even um other nations they would get the liver of an animal and they had like a, a like a thing that was specific the size, and if the liver went one way or the other, that's who they would attack. Like that's how they used it. It was basically like rolling the dice. Who am I conquering next? Yeah, I forget what that's
1: a term for. They would uh, like that would be um like old tribes and stuff. They'd mm-hmm. have like the seers of the village or whatever yeah. that would take body parts or bones and just do different things. Like oh, here's how we determine the will of the gods. Mm-hmm. So it is the hard thing when you we look at those things that pagan culture side because again if we're going to get into hey there's watchers that exist there's these fallen things that exist they're trying to do whatever pagan rituals to communicate with them god did have the urim and the thuman which was he's saying hey here for this time you can use this thing to Mm -hmm. you know to come up with it um
0: which is also found in your bible just first time i heard both of those terms i was like what now (laughs) and then it was like oh this is in the bible so i remember that was like man that
1: was back when I worked at uh, Wiretech with Aaron.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you ever heard of this? I was Like, no. <laughs> and they're like, the what now? And he's like, yeah. yeah, go check this out. There's so much stuff in the Old Testament that you could literally go like, have you heard of this? And most people are like, what? Yeah. It's, crazy. it's honestly
1: like, get past the book of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, you're going to get a bunch of repetition between Chronicles mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But like, there is just, if you think watching these movies is fun. Let your imagination go with, with some of this reading. Anyways, mm-hmm. back to it.
0: Uh, yeah, there's a, a line in there that says all the secrets in the scrolls. Uh, and what I read is that this gives the impression that First Enoch 68 and 67 were added after the book of parables had been written. So maybe it was a updated reversion of them. Uh, in this chapter, we see that even though Michael expresses sympathy for the fallen watchers, he doesn't intercede for them. He doesn't do anything for them. Um... There's a part in there that says they do as if they were the Lord, uh, and Michael will not presume upon God's authority, something the Watchers did when they transgressed. Michael knows his place, unlike his fallen brothers now under judgment. And uh, what I read was this kind of parallels Isaiah fourteen fourteen, 14. Um, chapter 69 is pretty crazy and interesting. It's a list of name of all of the fallen Watchers. Before that, I just think that it's cool that in
1: 68, it's Raphael. Because you kept saying, Oh, yeah, Michael's saying this, Michael's saying this. He's oh, talking yeah? to Raphael. Again, just having these angels talking. Like, these are the two good guys. They're like, Hey, m- you check this out, what's happened with the fallen ones. Like, you're saying, like Ah, I kind of have some empathy there, but I'm not going to get
0: <laughs> in the middle of that. oh so is Raphael talking to Michael? Because mine has Michael in there. Yeah,
1: Michael is talking to Raphael. Oh, yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured.
1: Michelangelo and Don <laughs> yeah, Donatello there. Yeah. Yeah. Where was Leonardo at? <laughs> yeah. Getting the pizza. <laughs>
0: Uh chapter 69 is like I said it's the names I will try to read some of them uh because some of them have pretty interesting uh meanings so uh Coco Bell You're playing the the yeah. baby bible name yeah, game yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the meaning is star- You say like Coco Bell? That's what it looks like. It looks like Coco Coca Coca Bell? Coco Bell? Oh, Coke Bell. Coke Bell. Yeah. That dude? The Cocoa Bell, isn't that that kid show with the <laughs> big-headed kid? Yeah, it's the Lord of Coke. Um, <laughs> his meaning is the star god. Uh, then there's Barakel. That's lightning of God. Ah, oh, this one's fun. Uh, Simpa. No, I'm not even going to try. S-I-M-A-P-E-S-I-E-L. Anyone listening, figure it out. But his name means Sun, like S-U-N, of God. Um, and so the the angels in the list were divided into two groups according to the sins. The first two are uh, instruments instrumental in the angels mating with the daughters of men, and the others revealed the secrets to humanity.
1: Yeah, so when you're looking at all these,
0: and there's uh Semiyaza
1: and Azazel and all mm-hmm. them in there, right? This is saying that these are the chiefs of their angels, that these are the centurions, right? The chiefs over the 50s and over the 10s, right? Mm-hmm. So these are like representative like these were the dudes in charge and they had the other angels with them yeah
0: and so I mean there's a lot of less there's uh, uh, one of them means to rise up uh, he was blamed for being the instigator you have Azababel Uh his name could mean one who forsakes God or thought of God Ezekiel 38 10 is thus says the Lord on that day thoughts will come into your mind you would devise an evil scheme kind of paralleling his name with that uh gadriel uh he is giving credit for leading eve astray and showing all people uh, the weapons of death and then we have azazel who is also giving credit for deceiving eve um I, I mean there's so many names on here and each of them has like these uh names like one of them's uh, sorcerer divinity lying divinity um the ideas he tricked michael into revealing the secret of the divine name uh god's name um and so all of these are just listed in there within this section
1: yeah it's interesting looking at some of this because even when i was going through you have the fourth is named panemael mm-hmm. and this one demonstrated to the children of the people the bitter and the sweet and revealed to them all the secrets of their wisdom you're like okay but well, then it goes furthermore he caused the people to penetrate the secret of writing and the use of ink and paper on account of this matter there are many who have erred from eternity to eternity and to this very day for human beings are not created for such purposes to take up their beliefs with pen and ink. For indeed, human beings were not created, but to be like angels permanently to maintain pure and righteous lives. And it's just like, how are you linking these things together? Mm-hmm. But when it's hard because like we're reading from a book that was written, right? Mm-hmm. And just the good wisdom that can be passed down. But then even when it's just relating to like all of the stuff that can get written down and it's saying that these things are taking you from maintaining a pure and righteous life. And I just think of writing in this day was a technology. Yeah. And I just think of like, I wonder what would be said about all of our televisions and our smartphones and all this right. stuff, right? To where are yeah. just like, that's how we're getting across information nowadays. And It's like, yeah, I could see how would things be better without It's kind of the thing of like, look at all the benefit that comes from is like, but does the benefit outweigh? all of the, the horrors, that can, all the sin that comes from it. And it's hard because uh, me saying that can be like, this guy wants to get rid of technology. He thinks it would be all better. Just like, we don't know what that experience is.
0: Yeah, even that, that one, it pulls from Isaiah 520 where mm. it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness from light and light from darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Mm. Uh, and it just, as you're talking about it, like, yeah, there's sometimes like the media and the information that's transferred to us like sometimes they're calling what's bad, good. Mm-hmm. They're calling a lot what's... Of, oh, more what, often yeah, than not, actually. I give way too much credit. Uh, but yeah, they're calling what's sweet. <laughs> Your church friends, the only place that doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, they give sweet, you know, they call what's sweet uh, or bitter sweet and what's sweet, bitter. Like they're we have this still and you're right. Like technology is a way of information getting communicated to people and it's done all the time. Um, and we just kind of sometimes just take it uh, but we really should be rallying up to say, like, no, we we know what is good. We know the difference between what's evil. Uh, how are we then uh, putting what's good out into the world and saying this is what's good, um, but also in a way that we're not picketing or doing things like that one church. What is it? Uh, it immediately went out of my mind when you said Westboro. What is it? Yeah, like them people. Um, but yeah, that's that's that one. Uh, chapter seventy through seventy one. Uh, are just considered summary editions placed at the end of the book of the parables by a writer or an editorial hand. I keep Um,
1: wanting to stop you real quick. And you're already, um, if you're hearing this, go to chapter 69. And there's a cool thing about the evil one placed this oath in Michael's hand. These are the secrets of this oath and they are sustained by this oath. And there's this oath that's there. And I'm going to leave that as an interesting little tidbit. If you want to know, there is more stuff in chapter 69. There's this cool oath.
0: Go read it. Then mm-hmm. you can post on our Facebook thing and tell look. us what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's so much in each of the chapters, but y- you know, 70 through 71 is just like the summation of it. Um, I don't have much other than 71 could be an appendix to the book of parables. Like it was just thrown in at the end or like, hey, here's all this information. But other than the chariots of spirit, uh, and that's in 70 uh, chariots of wind this is similar to kind of like the Elijah story uh, that we see in 2nd Kings yeah. Um, and yeah that's really it I got for that you want to jump into the astronomical stuff
2: hey everybody out there in the world the latest update of the Christian translator app has tons of new features but one of them would definitely help with those hidden phrases or terms that you may not be familiar with. This specific new feature is understanding the Apocrypha option. To activate this feature, you go into your settings, you click on languages, and then select Apocrypha to unleash all the hidden terms and phrases. Now, when you hear your friend say something like, the Lord of Spirits, the Christian Translator app will simply say, that's God. Or if they use the term watchers, the Christian Translator app will translate that for you to angels. With just one easy switch to the New Testament Apocrypha, you'll know that the term Didache means teaching, and the Shepherd of Hermas wasn't one of the names of the shepherds who saw Jesus when he was born. It's also a fantastic tool when discussing the animal apocalypse. Yes, that's a real thing. You won't have to worry about sounding foolish anymore around your extra scholarly friends with the Understanding the Apocrypha feature. So update the Christian Translator app today and never be confused by what your Christian friends are saying again. The Christian Translator app helps you understand the language of the saints.
1: Yeah, the astronomical stuff is fun. So this is uh, book three, the book of the heavenly luminaries, right? Mm -hmm. So That's uh, chapters 72 through 82. Um, I'd come across some pretty interesting stuff when looking at that, um, because looking at this third book, It definitely, well, all of them, like we talked about in the beginning, it's kind of like these are just different books or booklets that get put together. As we're talking about, they got written at different times and kind of assembled together. And for a long time, they're looking at, okay, well, what's the dating of this section? And what was really interesting is uh, when the Dead Sea Scrolls got discovered, right? Because they discovered those and it was around, I want to say it was the year 2000, between 2000 and 2008, there was a lot of work done specifically on this section Mm -hmm. because a lot prior to that as we talked about uh, i think the ethiopian language is it Mm ge'ez so the ethiopic version of that which obviously ge'ez was translated probably from some greek before that you know kind of coming through but they found aramaic for this section Mm -hmm. and once finding the aramaic for the section they're like oh This might actually be the oldest part of Enoch. Yeah. Which is really interesting that before any of the other stuff that we're talking about, they were talking about this. Like the calendar stuff. Yeah. The sun and the moon and It's like that's what they wrote down first, which is all of the stuff. Again, it's the book of the luminaries, um, the astronomical book. It really is just looking at, okay, let's get really in depth about. What's in the sky? Yeah, and calendar things out from that, and that was another thing about how they were trying to date it, is because, um, yeah, calendaring was a pretty big deal about how they broke it all down.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: especially in that Qumran community where the Dead Sea Scrolls was, they were like super big on calendaring. So, and that's how they did it. Like, hey, that's what the stars and the sun and the moon—it's for keeping track of time. So they really would use the moon, like, cool, it's the monthly sections going for that, and, um. I mean, what else are you going to do? We don't think about it because we have so much light pollution. Yeah. But man, if you look, think about every night, if you could see all that stuff, and then it starts to make sense when we're looking at, um, like it talks about the
0: sun going through different portals, and it says that there's six different portals. So I've got a few things first. Yeah. Uh, so Enoch, uh, what I, you're talking about, like the importance of the calendar, I read this in a note when I was studying, and I thought this was really interesting. It says Enoch warns Methuselah about the existence of sinners who also miscalculate days and intervals of time. Mm-hmm. Like thinking of this being written before all the other stuff was like important in the sense that like people were uh, miscalculating days and intervals of time. Like they were cheating in it in a sense. Like. I bet you that's That's happening
1: today, and that's why time seems to be going so quick.
0: Right? Like, that's so interesting. Uh, But the other thing, when you started getting into the portals of the... Nobody can see me. I literally look
1: crazy in this room right now. (laughs) I have both my hands up. I'm like, look at these portals that the sun is going through. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) How else do you talk about portals in the sky without lifting your hands up? (laughs) Right? But now I'm purposely trying to keep my hands down. Uh, But... uh, You couldn't do it. I couldn't. Uh, I watched this video uh, that was... um, I, I, w- I was hoping it would, like, talk more about this section to get, like, a little bit of more depth and knowledge. Uh, but really, it was just someone who read this section but used the flat Earth mm-hmm. um, map and all of this stuff to show how all of this makes sense on a flat Earth. And I was like, here we go, more conspiracy from the Book of Enoch. Uh, so, anyways, that was my little thing I wanted to throw in there. Which is hard because...
1: I'm not going to get into the whole flat earth and what the yeah, ancient yeah. people thought about that, but there was definitely a lot of ancient people who looked at things as being flat and having some form of a dome over it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ways that they looked at the stars and everything also lines up. Do with that what you will. The um, other podcast that we have. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah just even for an example, like what we look at today of like, oh, tracking the thing through, mm-hmm. and like when we're 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 seeing like, oh, based on the globe and we're revolving around and based on the tilt and based on the whatever this is how we see it happening, you would see here that he's shown these portals that the sun would go through, so at different times it's like, well, it's going through this portal, which is obviously at a certain degree in the sky, right, and then at different times it's going from a different portal to portal, which if you think about it, and you're having the experience of the sun rises in the. East. East and sets in the west, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at it. Oh, it's popping up over here and it's following that one track into that portal. And then it pops back over here and it follows that same mm. track. And then all of a sudden, like in another date, it's going oh, it's it's coming out of a different portal now because it's coming through this section, right? Again, I can see like when I'm like, alright, let me actually picture what he's talking about mm-hmm. and put myself into alright, I'm experiencing what the sky looks like. Here's how this thing is going. It can start
0: to make sense. Yeah. It, it demystifies it a little bit, I guess is what I'm and I think uh, coming from a culture that's, uh, hopefully I'm saying this right, um, agrarian, yes. uh, farming yeah. culture, uh, looking at the sun and seeing how it moves is pretty important. Yeah. So we grow stuff in our backyard and we've lived in our house probably now 13 years. And I've followed that sun in our backyard, knowing how to, especially in, in Southern California, uh, July, August, mainly August, September, it gets ugly hot. Uh, so I followed the sun to know where to put the shade up to protect like our tomatoes or our strawberries who aren't really sun friendly, mm-hmm. especially with that heat. Cause they'll, it'll burn their leaves. So I follow that sun and I, I'll tell you like one year it was just a straight line going over our house. The next year it was a little bit to the left. The next year is a little bit to the right. So this idea that is painting of like the sun going through portals of shifting from here to there. That's pretty important to a culture that needs to understand how to plant and grow stuff and how mm-hmm. to tend to, to their animals. Like, I know for us, it just sounds stupid and like portals and the sun moving through it. But for them, understanding where the sun moves, because a lot of the section deals with like the solar calendar, 364 days, yep. uh, this uh, divided into four quarters of 330 days with a single day in between each quarter. Uh, So like knowing where this stuff is moving and, and going, it's pretty important to that culture.
1: Yeah. There's so much within this that when we look at calendaring, as like, there's a pretty interesting study about calendaring by the moon mm-hmm. and not by the sun. And there's a whole sect of people who are just like, we're supposed to be calendaring by the moon, that that is God's given way of doing it. And you can download like different calendars and stuff and see. And that's actually when you base the Sabbath off, <laughs> off of all of that. It's like, really interesting stuff when yeah. you get into calendaring. And even how you're talking about like, oh, Look at these sinners changing the times on things. Mm -hmm. There's definitely something with ancient people that timing and days and and telling that is a lot bigger of a view. As we're looking at kind of starting 72 through 82, I I jumped into about the sun. Um, But what you have is uh, Enoch is being guided by the angel Uriel, right? Mm -hmm. So he's being guided and just really giving meticulous description of all of these like laws that these luminaries follow um so you have the sun which is the great sun the great or the great luminary the great light as rising in the eastern setting in the western and there're six of these and again the degrees of these but even within that it's talking about that it changes the how does it phrase it Basically the length of the days. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to you're observing these things and here's what each of these portals do. It's like during this portal, the days are longer. The nights are short, right? And mm-hmm. it has that going all through. Stuff that we're familiar with just by experience, but these are descriptions of it. Um, That's basically chapter 72, right? You have anything else in 72? No. It's basically the, the sun and the portals. Yeah. Um, 73, you're getting into the laws and patterns of the moon. Uh, moon's referred to as the smaller luminary. Um it talks about its chariot, which is basically like a metaphor for its path across the sky, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that going, and the moon's rising and setting change every month, similar to the days of the sun. Um and it has in there that when the moon's light is full, it equates to one seventh of the sun's light, and just the amount of detail. Yeah. And a lot of this book is just a lot going on. Like um, they
0: they had the sun and the moon and the stars mapped out pretty like, we think we're so smart with our technology, and I've got an app on my phone right. that tells me where all the stars are, what they are, where the sun is mm. at, where... Well, it tells you where they would be if you yeah. could see them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we think, like, we, like, because we know when the sun will, will rise exactly to the minute because we have that technology, that we're so far advanced. You read this ancient book, and you're like, oh, they had it figured out way before we touched into and this. Not that... Enoch is entirely unique. I mean, you look
1: at all kinds of calendaring going yeah. back. It's just like ancient cultures had this figure. Yeah, that's what that, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's just interesting here is that this is Enoch being taken up, and it's just like what's unique about this is it's not a scientist sitting and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. What's being relayed here is, um, no, you're being shown this by an angel. Yeah, like this is how this wisdom came, mm-hmm. which is interesting um but yeah 73 you're looking at phases of the moon uh first phase of the moon becomes visible on the 30th day together with the sun in the portal where the sun rises on this day one half of the moon emits light equivalent to one seventh part and the 14th part of its light <laughs> it's just like okay um you have anything on 73 again i don't have much commentary on these no, things. Neither do i'm just I. wanting to yeah. give like here's kind of what each of these is talking about Um, I
0: really don't have much until we get to, like, 81. Okay.
1: Uh, 74 is just a continued narrative of the lunar cycle that started in 73. It discusses the distribution of light to the moon and its changing phases over the lunar month. Again, looking at that lunar month, um, the text specifies the exact portions of the light the moon receives and loses each day over the course of the month, which, again, we look at it. You learn in elementary school, look, it's the the crescent and going on as a half moon and all this stuff. Um, 75 is interesting. It discusses the leaders of the heads of the thousands who are placed over the entire creation and all the stars. These leaders also have responsibilities related to the four intercalary days, which are critical to their duties and related to the calculation of the year. So intercalary days, that's what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. right? So you have those phases and then Just to make things match up, you have those days that are in between, right? Yeah. So chapter 76 uh, could sometimes be titled the 12 winds and their portals. Mm -hmm. So now we've done the sun and the moon and then even the stars and all those stars. Now we're looking at the winds. Uh, Basically, you have a detailed account of 12 portals in the heavens through which the sun, the moon, the stars rise and set and the winds that correspond with these portals. Um, Again, it's just a detailed cosmology That this community had accepted, um, that they were living by it, right? Again, for them, we're looking at, oh, look at this ancient book and we have our science. This is what the Qumran community was living Mm -hmm. by. Like, this was their science on how they understood all the stuff to be working.
0: Yeah, and if you go through uh, 76, just like, uh, I'm not saying us right now, but anyone who reads it, like, when you read through it, carefully you actually start looking at oh this is that season Mm -hmm. this is this uh, this is winter this is spring this is fall uh this is summer you could you could actually pinpoint these winds uh what they're actually doing some of them dry out and cause heat some of them make the flowers fragrant and smell so it is a very 76 was probably my more favorite out of some of this because uh just that idea of like Oh, they understood the seasons pretty well too, yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, the
1: nature of the winds, the direction of the blow,
0: the mm-hmm. impact, like you were talking about bringing dew or heat
1: or cold or snow or rain, right? And each of these 12 winds has their own specific function on the earth. And, and this is a heavenly vision of what's being shown. So if we get caught up on like, oh, there's these portals and there's 12 different mm-hmm. winds and all this stuff versus is something being shown to a man in a way that could be communicated that actually spoke the truth of the situation, Mm -hmm. right? If you get hung up on, you're telling me that there's actually a portal in the sky that the sun goes through (laughs) versus like, no, here's, let me tell you how this thing can Mm. work in a way that makes sense because we don't have a satellite outside of this thing to send us a picture of like, what's, going, you know what I mean? It's like, how else can you speak to an ancient person And this, like you're saying, this is describing what it is. It's a lot
0: to like uh, what Scott McKnight was saying about revelation. Yeah, that's what's in my mind as well. Is that like a lot of the imagery is used for that person to understand. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of somehow blow it up into like super crazy thought processes.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's see. What are we on? 77? Yep. So this one really coming in the four cardinal direction and their respective winds. you could maybe title this one, "The Four Quarters of the World: the Seven Mountains and the Seven Rivers, the Seven Great Islands." you get that? hmm It's a lot of fours and sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it starts off by describing the four great winds, each relating to east, west, north, and south, um, and each contains heavenly phenomena such as stars and thunder and dew, kind of related to those. Um, and then it provides a description of uh, geography of the world, introduces seven high mountains, seven great rivers, seven large islands, each with their own unique properties, located in different parts of the world there. um, Seems like this geographical description is supposed to be more symbolic than actual. like, hey, go find these seven mountains and seven Yeah, rivers. that's what
0: I was thinking too. I mean, when you get the number play of seven, seven, seven is kind of like the mm-hmm. complete. Um, and in there, I think it's like three times. So then it's like yeah. complete, complete. Yeah. Like stamp on it, approval. This thing's perfect. If you're rushing me to get through 42 chapters of
1: this every time <laughs> we talk, I'm like, yes, let me go in, oh, yeah, numerology. Let me see about numerology. Yeah. Let me get more into this ancient cosmology. <laughs> and you're like, no, Merlock, we already split these episodes too much. We're doing 20 chapters this yeah. week. So, yeah, the best I can get is it really seems
0: to be small. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly your fault for talking too much on the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> no one sees it, but the look you gave me was fantastic. <laughs>
1: um, 78, uh, what do we got here? The sun and the moon, the waxing and waning of the moon. It's, again, just different description of their movements, their phases. You got the lunar cycle describing how the moon's light waxes and wanes over the course of the month. And if you say, I thought that that was the other chapter. yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like numbers in Leviticus and some of that stuff, it just repeats. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So again, just looking at how much light the moon has and all that stuff. Um, anything else for that? For seventy-eight? Yeah, seventy-nine. Um, it's an interesting little chapter title for that one: the recapitulation of several of the laws. <laughs> so we're gonna give it back to you again. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, he just recounts. Uh, a lot of the celestial observations and the See, calculations this, that he's already presented. This
0: section alone would be my, like this belongs in the Bible. Cause this is the book of numbers, except it's talking <laughs> yeah. about the sun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's just repeated over yep. and over again. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Again, but this is what tricks me. I was like, this is the oldest one. Mm-hmm. And when you look at writing back then, and you look at, this is the oldest one, which means that they preserved it for the longest. And when you look at writing down things just in particular, but then preserving things that were written down, is like that means something, yeah. And the calendar, I can't, it's a whole different study on itself. I can't express how important the calendar was mm-hmm. to ancient people, but also to the sects of Judaism that were following this. Like a lot of times, that they'll look at that's why the Essenes or the Qumran community kind of pulled away. They're like, no, we're following the right calendar, y'all aren't going with God because you're doing yeah. something different with your calendar. Um, but yeah, just going back and just like, hey, let me retell you about a lot of these calculations that I've already told you about. Um, but basically, what he's trying to get across is that there's a meticulously structured universe where each celestial body moves according to predetermined laws. And I think that we can come into agreement of that in 2023 and go,
0: yep, that's why we can still map it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the... Uh, I read it somewhere, it said the, the movement of the sun and moon and the stars are described as following uh, divine laws. Uh, Their regulatory and obedience are mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing a lot of that the numbers in there. Uh, and then I read this, it followed up with, this is placed in contrast to the way in which humanity conducted itself with God's law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, as much as it seems weird in its placement, like, oh, this was the first one written, why isn't it at the beginning? I think the placement of whoever kind of eventually got all these Enoch books and said, let's put them together, put it right there, dab in the middle, because you see the watchers not following God's law. You see humanity not following God's law. Then you see the parables and everything kind of going in a little bit deeper of what was already explained. Judging against those who do. And the judgment. yeah. Yeah. And then you have this that sits right in the middle of like, but all these things that you guys know about and write about and seem to understand, they're doing it perfectly. And obediently all the time Uh, so it's a good contrast they follow the law Mm -hmm. yeah i've thought about
1: that a lot with nature's laws and like humans are really the ones that don't
0: yeah just constantly being jerks
1: (laughs) oh i had a thought and it went out what was it you had said something i wanted to comment on hmm it's gone it might come back uh 80 we can give this the title of perversion of nature and the heavenly body oh i remember what it was (laughs)
0: <laughs> did perversion
1: bring it back no <laughs> um, just this thing about the, the everything following its predetermined path I think it was G.K. Chesterton, and I'm just going to paraphrase it but basically it was like we think that it was just a one and done that God just said hey go and do this thing but he was bringing in kind of more of a sense of wonder of like what if God just really enjoyed like hey son go and do that thing and it did it, and the very next day, God's like, hey, go and do that thing. Mm. Like, you know, that God just, like, having an enjoyment in what it is that he's created rather than being disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even giving G.K. Chesterton, he, he writes in a really cool way, so if you can find the quote based on that paraphrase, like, it's just poetically beautiful of just thinking about God, that each and every day being like, oh, look at my creation, let me send it off again yeah. into it. It's a cool thought, Yeah, versus a more sh- rigid, like, He's at the laws and they just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And when I think about the laws that he's given us, it's definitely more of a, no, he w- wants us to be taking part with him in his creation. Yeah. Anyways, back to the perversion of nature <laughs> and the heavenly bodies due to the sin of men, which is kind of what we were just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we're departing from the descriptive nature of astronomical content of the previous chapters, and now it's getting into more of a cautionary tone, Um relating to celestial phenomena and the moral conduct of humankind.
0: Uh, One thing I liked about this uh, chapter was uh, the last uh, few verses. It says, yes, they will err and take them to be gods, and evil will be multiplied on them, and punishment will come on them so as to destroy all. And that just instantly made me think of Romans. Because you're getting talking about the moon and the stars and all this other stuff in nature. And where Romans is like, you would rather choose to worship creation Mm -hmm. instead of the creator. And what will happen because of that? Well, it's just all kinds of evil, all kinds of uh, wrong. And it's going to lead to your destruction when you worship the things that God created that are doing what God commands, uh, but we still somehow can't.
1: And that's coming from that sin, right? You get... Mm -hmm.
0: Sorry, what verse did you just read? Uh, I read the last part of chapter 80 i think that's seven and eight okay
1: because i was wanting to read six i was mm-hmm. like wait did i just spaz out <laughs> you just read it <laughs> yeah but let me tell you about something uh six is many of the chiefs of the stars shall make errors in respect to the orders given to them they shall change their course and functions and not appear during the seasons which have been prescribed for them and that and it says that this is coming because of the sins of men mm-hmm. and that's just Again, do we look at that as, well, that's just purely symbolic, or is that something that hasn't happened yet? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. like, are we so intrinsic to what's going on in the world? Kind of like up until the point of the Watchers that they had come down and done that, that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a specific point in time where that happened, and it's like, is there another point in time where something that happens between the spiritual realm and what's going on with mankind, that there's another alteration? To where, like, things that have been set in motion for all of this Mm. get altered in some crazy way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just a crazy thing to think about. And you might say, well, that's dumb. You're living in a fantasy land. It's just like, remember that thing called the flood? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The kind of really altered stuff? And, like, there are major alterations. They're definitely not common. We're looking at, like, count them on less than a hand, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's just, it was really a crazy thing to like, whoa, to what extent can the sin of men just really screw up nature? Yeah. And I think the outside of looking at, well, we haven't screwed it up that bad because all the stars are still in the right spot. Look at the constellation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but what do you think was going to happen on the way towards that? Not that I want to get on by my- global warming is mm-hmm. everything that's happening. I can just point out that look at the great trash island that's in the ocean. Yeah. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we are destroying nature to a point just like that's not good stewardship. Yeah. And then where is it? Is it down in Peru or something? They're like all the fast fashion. It's down in South America. Have you seen this? Uh-uh. I think it's the Atacama Desert to where like all of the super fast fashion that your Instagram ads mm-hmm. buy this, buy this, buy this. There's too much clothes being sold. And for whatever reason, they get shipped down there. But because of their import export stuff, like they can't afford to get rid of it. And there's just you can see it from space in this in this desert massive piles of clothes wow which is crazy when you're like we need to like clothe the poor and have this i was like there's literally a desert full of clothes right now what do we got to like one that's not good for the environment but what are we doing
0: yeah that's interesting because uh when i read it i think i went more with the symbolic look of it and it was Mm -hmm. like stars oh they're talking about the angels again. oh yeah also that yeah that you know they did all that stuff uh but it's that's what the beauty of sometimes reading the bible or even reading books like this is like how people look at it, you know, and like I could take it that way and like that also fits the Enoch narrative. Mm-hmm. But the way you just said it also fits the Enoch narrative. Uh, so that, that's kind of the fun sometimes, I think, when you kind of look at all this stuff. All right. So now we're I finally made it to 81. You yeah. had something to say. Oh, yeah. Verse four. And after that, I said, blessed is the man who dies in righteousness and goodness concerning whom there is no scroll of unrighteousness written and against whom no days of judgment would be found. And I just wrote next to that. Jesus.
1: Yeah, I'm going to read in my translation because it's the same but different. Um, Blessed is the man who dies righteous and upright against whom no record of oppression has been written and who received no judgment on that day. Hmm. And same thing but some it's kind of just like different Bible translations ah yeah. Like, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I just thought that was cool that it, again here you're seeing that the prophetic it, with um future but also times then. Uh and I, what I really like again, if this is the first one written, here we go. It's setting the stage for like there needs to come a savior. There is going to be someone who comes and does a thing that's going to be so different And so contrary to what we see, especially when it's that contrast of like, uh, here's the divine laws of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they follow it obediently. But here you men, you humanity, you're going to not do that. But there is going to come a day when one man is, and it's going to set the stage for, like you said, another one of those big changes.
1: And really what you had there, that comes placed after... um, Um. It says, Enoch, come and look at these tablets and what's written. So he came and it says that he read all the tablets and he understood them. He says he read them one by one. It says, I looked at the tablets of heaven and all the writing on them and I came to understand everything. I read that book and all the deeds of humanity and all the children of the flesh upon the earth, right? So he's like, look, I got to read and see how everything goes down. And as a result of that, he says, I blessed the great Lord, the King of glory forever for he created all this, and I praised the Lord because of his patience, and I wept on account of the children of the people. And after that, I said, blessed is this righteous man, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I looked at everything, and when I saw everything, I praised God for what he created, but I had to say, blessed is the one who comes and is righteous. And it's just like, yeah, that's a pretty apt description of humanity. Mm-hmm. Weep on, be- on account of that, but still praise God and bless Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I found this note too on this whole chapter, or maybe it was this whole section, uh, but it says, the message is clear. When we sin, we separate ourselves from uh, the order of God's creation slash will. And I thought that was really a cool way to put it. Uh, Stephen DeYoung, again, I I pull a lot from him because he's a smart dude. Uh, He says, the way in which the will of God is obeyed in heaven is contrasted with the state of disobedience on earth with these very angelic beings recordings all the deeds of men on heavenly tablets and in heavenly books. Uh, so again, he's just saying like what I've been saying for a while is like, you're seeing the contrast here as Enoch's looking at the divine nature. Then he gets the books and like, oh man, these guys just can't keep it together. They're just constantly sinning. 82. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we there? Did we do it? I think we did. Um,
1: just when he said Stephen DeYoung, he's a smart guy. When, we were talking when you said, oh, you can read the stars in this way, but then you can also read it in this way. Mm-hmm. I thought about, he says a lot, uh, what is it? Porque no los dos? Yeah, like, yeah. Why not have it both? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my,
0: 82. My also favorite thing he says is the that dog don't hunt. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get that in here, but I always forget. Yeah, uh,
1: I've honestly, I've listened to so much of podcasts of his that <laughs> apparently I start saying, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. I've started doing that. Yeah. Uh, so, right? Yeah. Right? hmm And he does that. And what's weird is like when I notice him doing it, I'm like, dude, stop saying that. And it's subconsciously been something I do. You know what's lucky for you, though?
0: Hmm. You have me as an editor.
1: You know what's not lucky? <laughs> is to actually preach on a stage live.
0: Well, <laughs> people on the podcast, Del- Delilah's listen.
1: just like, you say right a lot.
0: It happens. When I was listening to um, Matt Chandler a lot, he would say, you tracking with me? Mm-hmm and i found myself saying yeah. that a lot when i yeah. when
1: i first got into heiser and i binged a bunch of his stuff there's a couple of heiserisms that mm-hmm. i would i would say as well I was like yeah. Mm.
0: yeah it happens it's just hard
1: again so that's a, just the thing who are you hanging out with and who are you listening to cuz your language will tell on you
0: yeah and that's a free note like that's not part of the show so yeah. enjoy that 82 one. 82 versus 4 is all i really got i mean 82 has some uh, really cool stuff about the names of the sun and the moon, and all the other stuff that's in there at the end. And
1: 82, they also at the end of 81, he's kind of like, Hey, make this stuff known to Methuselah. Mm-hmm. So 82 is like, Now, Methuselah, my son, I'm going to recount these things to you and write them down for you. So that's really the content of 82 is like, Now you have Enoch taking the stuff and giving it to Methuselah, who will live to be the oldest one, mm-hmm. which means that he gets to pass this along to lots of generations of people.
0: Yeah, which again is interesting that if you look at where Methuselah's life, uh, because is Methuselah's the great grandpa of Noah, right? Is it only great yeah. Yeah, so there's like Methuselah, Methuselah's son. I can't remember his name. And then Noah. Oh, I knew it and it went out of my brain. <laughs> What's Noah's dad's name? Noah's dad.
1: <laughs> this is where you can tell the content we've studied <laughs> and what it pushes out.
0: I look at your computer real quick. I don't, I, mine doesn't have the internet here. Uh, but my point was that uh, him living through those generations, uh, getting the, what was coming, like, or, or the divine law of their obedience and then being told like, but humanity's not following that. It's not tracking with it. And it will lead to the destruction. Now write this down. It was almost like Methuselah was kind of like a herald in a sense of like, hey, this is what's happening if we don't get it together was where i was going who was his dad
1: i'm pulling it up let me see the whole chapter
0: methuselah mm. is it lamech yeah
1: ah it just came to me as soon as you said that in my brain i had the mech part
0: Mm -hmm. but i was like it's not a name (laughs) i couldn't remember what it was uh but yeah the only portion i want to read is verse four says blessed are all the righteous blessed are all those who walk in the ways of righteousness and do not sin as the sinner's and the reckoning of all their days, Um, and then it goes into like some more stuff there, but I just really like that part because to me, again, we're seeing what this book of parables and the astronomical, and really what Enoch's hitting a lot of, and what goes into the Bible is that there are two ways. There's the righteous and the unrighteous, and for the righteous, there's this goodness that's going to come. There's this salvation, this life after. Uh, For the wicked, there's not. There's punishment. There's There's a not enjoyable existence that comes next. Um, There's an accounting for your wickedness. Yeah, there is. And uh, for me, reading this and hearing all of it as I kind of wrap up, I don't know if you have any more, uh, but just wrapping up on my on this end is that again, the idea for me, if we look at righteous or look at this warnings as like kind of what Scott McKnight was saying with Revelations as like a victory over the bad people, we miss it it should tug at our heart to say, I need to get more people on this side. Mm -hmm. I need to bring people over this way because uh, it's not so much a victory over people we don't like or who we think we are sinners or the people who are on the other side of whatever controversial issue you enjoy to really be against at this moment. It's not against them. It's against evil. They're just prisoners trapped. And unfortunately, what happens with prisoners who are trapped they don't want to leave their trappedness sometimes. They enjoy where they're at. Uh, What is that term that we have? Is it Stockholm Syndrome? Mm -hmm. Where they would prefer to live in that because coming out to the other side is just too scary. Uh, And and for Christians, I think our goal should be to show them that it's not. Come out to this way. It'll be better for you. Um, And and again, this just the story of Righteous and unrighteous, and what happens to the righteous and what happens to the unrighteous. Part of me really just wants to like
1: devil's advocate uh, on another side of what you said, but doesn't. Um, I will just maybe bring it to: I'm on board with the heart of everything that you said, mm-hmm. but it. Mm, how do I word it in a way that's somewhat true to what I'm thinking? Because it is just kind of off the top of my head. Um, people who do wicked aren't just victims like yes whoever sins is a slave to sin mm-hmm. but it's also true that people are enemies to god and mm-hmm. that they choose those things right so it's just like yes we want to win over everybody from that side and that's god's intention and he's not willing that any should perish and he's it doesn't please him in the death of the wicked and all of these things right it's just yeah. like there's that but there is also an accountability it's just like if it was just oh you were held a prisoner then how could you be held a Accountable. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can look at Nuremberg trials and all that stuff. It's like, well, you're following orders and you're just under an authority and all this stuff going on. But yet, so, mm-hmm. you know, you have your part in it. It's a hard thing to kind of gauge that because I think that in to stand against wickedness in a fully loving way is such an oxymoronic thing. To mm-hmm. where like you want to be like Peter and like, no, man, pull out my sword. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, put away your sword, Peter. I chopped off his ears. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna fix that, Peter. <laughs> but
0: you know, there's there's just something I think for us to learn. It's the balance in both thoughts. Yeah. You know, because I think if we get too cold hearted, yeah, we're Peter with the sword. Like they're just evil. And if we get too soft, then it's like, oh, but it's not their fault. Why are they going to hell? God, hell shouldn't be like that. Or even
1: it's not your fault that's happening to you Mm -hmm. and there's no expectation for you to do any different and like, it'll be okay in the end, like, you know? So yeah, it's there's a hold of things in tension. Mm -hmm. For me, just kind of coming through all of this part, it's just so interesting that he's like, let me tell you all about the, the judgment of the righteous and the wicked. Let me tell you all about these stars. And in the summation to Methuselah, He does both of those things. Like, let me write this down. You you quoted that thing by, hey, here's the righteous. You want to be on this side? You want to be doing this? Also, let me tell you about the names of the people who are in control of the wind. (laughs) 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 What am I missing that one of those things seems entirely unimportant to me? Yeah. You know what Uh I mean? I don't know. I don't know if it needs to be important to me. It was obviously super important to Enoch and to the people that, that held on to these things for so long. So... Maybe that's something for me to just keep turning over in my mind. And like maybe one day I'll be like, oh, I'm, yep. I'm trying to read that. I think I actually said it pretty cool. He's, a, he's one of the Divide the Four Seasons. Yeah. It makes sense now. But as of right now, I'm just going to use my weather app.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, I don't
1: know. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Next time, we're going to hop into book four, The Dream Visions. Yeah. Which, you know, is entirely different than parables.
0: Oh, I th- yeah. I think that's uh has the animal apocalypse. Yeah. And the vision of the deluge as well. Yeah, so so that, that'll be fun. All right. I'm Chris. I'm Yudle. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.